Yeah. 
congratulating our junior talent. They were runner-ups at the state competition. We'll honor them more, but let's give them a hand clap. Brad, Allison, all of you parents that worked so hard to get them there, thank you so much. They were phenomenal. And um, our Facebook Live is acting up, but we're going to um, put it on later on today. But I'm just going to tell you, they were the best there. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Brian, could you just kind of... You could probably get that spot out, I'm sure. But it'll be all right. I don't care if everybody knows. If a toad won't croak in his own pond, he's not worthy to be in it. Y'all know I'm telling you right. They really did a phenomenal job. I, I did a little bit of a posting. And uh, we may get a full one up. I'm sure somebody's got a full one up. But man, they just they sounded really, really good. Harmonies were great. I'm going to tell you something, guys. People don't understand. When you get the... Doing harmony parts, that's, that's advanced stuff. Just anybody can't sing harmony. And we got kids that are this tall that know how to do it. That's, that's impressive. And so um, we're really, really happy about how they performed and uh, yesterday. Got Widows this Tuesday. We'll be meeting here at the church at noon, going to Dyer's for lunch. See Susan Finley if you have any questions. Also, this is the last week that you can sign up for the Isaquina Festival to take one hour. They'll be giving out balloons, water, and info representing the church. And also next Sunday is going to be Graduate Sunday. May 29th will be Family Day. We'll celebrate our kids that morning. 
They'll be singing with us. They'll also be singing a special song. I think, um, I don't know where Brad is. I think they're going to be doing the competition song. Is that correct? Competition song. That's a good one. So they'll be doing the song that they did at the competition for you guys so you can hear it. And you'll see just how, how good they did. And then we've got Church of God State Camp meeting coming up June 12th through the 15th. Let's get right into the word this morning. I had this word since, I guess, about Thursday. And I feel like God's wanting to speak to us today on doing the impossible. Doing the impossible. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37, if we could. And I'm, I'm going to read it. I've got a couple different versions throughout this because I just, I really like the wording. I want you to grab what God's saying to us today. The hand of the Lord came upon me, this is Ezekiel of course, and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst or in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Notice the terminology there, the adjective. They're not just dry. They are very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. That's a good answer to give God, isn't it? You're the one in control, not me. So you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. I like the way God is specific. How many of you have ever had God say, I'm speaking to you? you? You didn't need the preacher to call your name. You knew from the moment that the word of the Lord was being preached, God spoke and said, this is for you today. God's specific like that. Say to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, <clears throat> cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. It's always intended to bring God glory in the end. If we get outside of those intentions, miracles don't happen. If we can't move ourselves out of the way and let God be the centerpiece, God can't use us. If we cannot recognize that it is God that is doing the moving, our preaching will not be anointed. Our singing will not be anointed. Our musicians will not be anointed. We can play, but you take away the most special ingredient and that's the anointing. That's what makes all the difference in the world. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bones. I want everybody just to visualize this with me as I'm reading it. We're in a valley of dry bones. There's bones moving around, shaking noise, and they're coming together. So I prophesied, they came together. Verse 8, Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and you say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We ourselves are cut off. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, just like you said to dry bones, thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up. This is powerful. Come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and I also have what? Performed it. I did it, says the Lord of hosts. Praise God. Doing the impossible. The Bible says that Jesus, on one particular passage, that He challenged His disciples with a simple exhortation. He said to them these words. He said, nothing will be impossible for you. When God asks you to do something that is possible, and it happens, it makes you look good. Alright? But when God asks you to do the impossible, it makes Him look good. See, see, see understand with me. Let, let, there is a huge difference in saying, Moses, I want you to go over here and I want you to organize Israel. And I want you to get... 12,000 from 12 tribes and we're going to get some organization together. That, that's a possible situation. It's called structure. We all have to do it in our churches, in our jobs. You've seen structure. It's simple. That's what you do. So when God asked him to do this, it was a tough job, but yet it was a possible job. And so when he brought together all 12 tribes and there's 144,000 and he begins to name them and give them their rights, this is a possible thing. People are patting him on the back saying, Moses, man, we knew you could do it. You know, it's kind of like a pastor. You give them a possible situation to do and people are patting you on the back and saying, man, I knew you had it in you, buddy. Right? That's a possible thing. Makes me look good. It made Moses look good. Everybody thought, what a great leader this guy is, man. He knows how to get structure and organization. But when God asked you to do something impossible, when there is a Red Sea in front of you and God says, Moses, part the waters. It's impossible. Moses can't do that. But as God uses him, he holds up the rod and all of a sudden, the impossible begins to happen. And all of a sudden, all that they can do when they get to the other side is start dancing and they get tambourines and they're shouting and they're rejoicing. It is not because of what Moses did. It's because God looked better than he had ever looked before and they begin to give God glory for doing the impossible. See, understand with me today that this is the way it is. But I think that the adventure that we all signed up for, a matter of fact, the day that we got saved and declared Jesus was our Lord. I believe that what we wanted to do, it was all about doing the impossible. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want boring Christianity. I can't handle boring Christianity. A matter of fact, the God that I serve, when I read my Bible in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, I get super excited about the future of the church. Because the church that Jesus has risen up when He came from the grave and, and established the first church, it was not a dead church. It was not a silent church. It was not a lukewarm church. It was a church on fire. And, and, the, and the, the God that I serve is a God that said, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
That is impossible. But it makes God look good. He says to us that you are going to be able to do these things. You're going to speak to demons. And they're literally going to run the other way. He says, I'm giving you power and authority to do these things. So understand with me, when I read the book of Acts, I cannot handle born Christianity. There is something in me that always is saying there is something more that God is wanting to do in my life. There is something greater that God is wanting to do in my ministry. There is something greater that God is wanting to do in His church. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? And I think it's the impossible. I think that is exactly what God is doing in this last day. I was reading a little thing about the person with big dreams is more powerful than the person that has all the facts. Because when we look at the facts, the facts are real. The facts, you can't, you can't just do away with the facts and live in a fairy tale land. The facts are very real. But the truth is greater than the facts. See, you must understand that when we talk about truth and facts, we understand that the fact is this. The fact is a doctor can tell me I'm dying. The fact is that I'm sick. That is the fact. But the truth of God's Word is saying to me, but by my stripes you are healed. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? The fact is that you may not have enough money in your bank account to get done what you need to get done. But the truth is that you're serving a God that says, I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So what I'm trying to tell you is you cannot always just listen to the facts. You've got to believe that the truth of God's Word, let all men be called liars, but let God be let him be truth. In other words, Ezekiel, God has the last say of what is going to happen. That's why I trust God with my situations today. We have that right. We have that right here in our church today. And we should celebrate that. I said we have this right here in our church, a God of miracles. Man, I could tell y'all, there's been some things, a hundred days of glory, if I could just tell you, and some of them I'm, I won't tell because I don't know how much people want me to tell, and that's, that's their miracle, not mine. But I'm going to tell you something. There's things that have went on in this church that have been the impossible. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There are people that medically, that things were not supposed to happen, but because God got in the middle of it. We just prayed and we just believed and we just asked and we just fasted and we just prayed. But all of a sudden God showed up and He started doing some impossible things in their life during the 100 days of glory. We got surplus funds that we had no idea were coming. It happened during a hundred days of glory. What I'm telling you is I do not care what the facts are. Because I'm a pretty big dreamer and I sat in our council meetings and they can tell you as good as anybody that I've got that vision and I'm ready to go and I want, I want to know that we've got something happening. I don't want to ever get in a church that we just sit there and say, alright, we're satisfied, everything's going good. The day I start doing that is the day I need to retire. Whether I'm 39 or not, if I lose my vision and I can't believe that God can do more for this church, I don't need to be here. So as long as I'm here, please be assured that I'm going to dream and I'm going to try to dream big. And I'm going to watch God get the glory. 
See, see, understand, we go in that room and I, oh man, we need to do this, we need to do that. And I knew the facts. The facts are, there's a lot that needs to be done. The facts are, you've got a 40 plus year old, uh, different areas that need fixed, that, that need, need, you know, just change, a new, new sanctuary, just different renovations that need to be done. That's the facts. But the truth of the matter to me at the time, what, what, what I saw was this. I'm thinking, well, you know, I know that we could do it, but... But it's, you know, we gotta, we got to lay out some sensible plans. we got to lay out a five-year plan. Right? That's what they tell us to do, financial planners. Get you a five-year plan in place. Then have a ten-year plan. Long-term goals. But when God gets involved and does the impossible, all of the plans that I had made based on the facts, God threw them out the window and said it's an accelerated season because I'm a God that is not satisfied with mediocrity. I am not a God that is satisfied with the status quo. When I get in a thing, dead things come to life. When I get in the middle of a ministry, things begin to happen. It is not for the glory of the preacher. It is not for the glory of the congregation. It's so we can stand back and say, look what the Lord has done. It is impossible and it makes God look good. Let's go. So so, so I know that you have problems, right? Everybody does. I have problems. You have problems. But I don't think that any of us in this building have ever been presented with more of an impossible situation than Ezekiel was this day. Anybody found themselves in the middle of a dead graveyard, literally? And you got to prophesy to them and say, hey, it's time for y'all to get up and walk. Anybody? So there's nobody in here that's been in that situation, but there's some in this building. you got some graveyards in your life. Your marriage is about dead. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's struggling. You don't know if you're going to make it or not. Life that used to be there, it seems it's being squeezed out. And so you find yourself in the middle of a graveyard. Maybe your financial situation seems dead. Maybe your career that you used to be a little better at, but as you age, it's kind of fading away from you and you feel like you're losing it and it feels like it's dying. Well, I want you to understand that you are in a good place today because the greatest victory that has ever been won was won in a graveyard over 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just ask the devil. He'll tell you he's afraid of graveyard situations because God does the impossible in the middle of graveyards. And so all of a sudden, finances are blessed. Marriages are blessed. Dead things are coming to life. That's the God that we serve today. So your greatest victory comes when it seems like everything around you is dead. It is when the dream has failed. It is when the vision is nearly gone. It is when there is nothing left. The one thing that I tell people when we have services, funeral services, is that death seems final. Therefore, because of death being final, it seems like an impossible situation to overcome. And that's where Ezekiel finds himself. The one thing that I'm learning is that oftentimes we lose our joy when we end up in the valley, right? We can keep our joy on the mountain. We can keep our joy in the Lord when things are going good, but in the low places. It's human nature. It's human nature. We got feelings. We are a very motivated group that feelings really drive us, right? We cry. We get sad. We get emotional. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. 
I mean, you get pregnant and you don't know why you want banana pudding ice cream. My God, you should want that any time of the year, praise the Lord. But there's that crave. It is human nature. It is something inside of you. It is a drive. We cannot explain our emotions all the time. But in the spirit world, we have to get to the place where we do not lose our joy when the hand of the Lord takes us into a low place. When the hand of the Lord takes us into a valley. Is that not what happened with Ezekiel? The hand of the Lord took me. Did did y'all miss that when I read it earlier? He said, the hand of the Lord took me into a valley. It is here that the enemy wants to dry up our joy. But I want to tell you something I said a long time ago. I refuse to let the sinner have more fun in their sin than me as a Christian is going to have in my righteousness. I remember the old story of the old guy that used to, when God saved him, he got all excited and he ran down the aisle, started cutting flips and people thought he was crazy. And they'd look at him weird and strange and services would come, Lord get them moving. That old brother would run around, he'd jump and he'd cut a flip right there in front of the pulpit. Pastor said one day he got so excited he cut a flip and jumped and landed up on top of the pulpit. He thought, man, this guy's crazy. And one day he got a hold to a mic and was able to give a testimony of how he was a drunk and where God had brought him from. And he talked about when I was in the bar, I used to be the life of the party. And I used to party when I got drunk. He said, now that I've got Jesus, it's so much better than wine and beer and alcohol. He said that I'm going to rejoice and shout in the house. If I could do it in sin, then bless God, I can do it in my salvation. So it is the devil that is trying to sap our joy. Why does he want your joy? Because the joy of the Lord is your what? It is your strength. Understand with me, David got to a place in his life that he finds himself in a valley and he says these words. He said, I just started strengthening myself in the Lord. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to pat yourself on the back and say you're doing a halfway decent job, buddy. Sometimes, you, I mean, nobody else will. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? You did the best you could. Sometimes you got to get up, you got to wipe the dust off of your blue jeans. And you, I said that because I got on blue jeans today. Don't y'all love them? Hallelujah. Don't say amen. Anyhow, you got to wipe the dust off of them and you got to get up and you got to go. You cannot allow the devil to keep you in the valley full of death because, it, listen, my best friend is a mortician. He literally embalms bodies all day long. I wonder sometimes, how do you even have joy? I mean, because if you're around death all the time, I mean, I hate it. I hate death. I hate being in hospitals when somebody's taking our homes, when people are taking their last breath. I just don't like death. If you're going to be around death all the time, it's like it literally sucks the life out of you. Because while you celebrate, you're like, praise the Lord, they're ready to go. There's family members that are mourning. And they're left behind. What are we going to do with them? We've got to comfort them. It's not a fun time. Death is bad. And there's times that dead things begin to stink. And there's people in the church right now that there's dead things in your life. And like Ezekiel, you have found yourself in the middle of a valley in the low place. And it's stinking by now. The flesh is already rotten. And all you see is dead bones laying around everywhere. You're the person I want to talk to today. 
Because I don't need you to lose your joy in that situation. Have you lost your joy today? Has Christianity become mundane to you? Has it become boring to you? My message is do not allow Satan to dry you up. Do not become insecure because the circumstances you're facing the fur from the original plan that you thought that God had for your life. Instead, when you're in the valley, you've got to learn to stir up your joy. There are two things you can do whenever you're drying up. When things are falling apart, when you're down to, I guess we could say it this way, pun intended, down the skin and bones. It seems like you're not going to make it, right? Let me tell you what you do. You pull out your Bible. Now I'm going to tell you, this is very simple, but it is powerful. You pull out your Bible and you start reading your Bible. When your joy is gone, I do it all the time. I'll tell God, I'll be like, you know what? I am just done with this situation. I need you to speak to me. Lord, I'm just going to flip this Bible and on the right side, second lane. Woo, there we thank you, Jesus. That's right. And oftentimes in the middle of battles, and I've had it happen. When I, I mean, there is literally in this Bible, there's around 1,500 pages, maybe 12, 1,500, just depending on, I guess, the size of, of the lettering. I think this has about 12 or 1,300 just in the Bible portion of it. What is the chances in all of these thousands and thousands and thousands of Scripture that I'm going to flip open this Bible in the middle of a battle and read no weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper? That's the hand of God, folks. There is nothing like when you open up this Bible and you begin to read and find that there's a God that loves you even in the middle of the valley. And I'm telling you something else you do. You start praying. I mean, listen. This is, somebody said this is too simple. I don't think it's going to work. I'm telling you it's simple, but it's powerful. You do it and God will bring you out of the valley. I mean, you pray in the morning. You pray in the afternoon. You become what we'll call one big prayer meeting. See, there's some of you maybe, you haven't learned how to war yet. Right? You don't know what warring in prayer is yet. You haven't been put in a situation where it was a do or die situation. You really had to touch heaven. You haven't had a, you know, someone that you love that maybe you're going to feel like you're going to lose and you've got to pray. Some of you haven't been in that situation. I have, but I'm going to tell you, it'll make you pray. It'll make you pray. It'll make you fast. It'll make you get in that Word. It will literally draw you closer to God. When you see your children suffering and there's nothing in your flesh that you can do for them and you know they're hurting and you know they're getting depressed, I'm going to tell you what it'll make you do, son. It'll make you get your Bible out. It'll make you get on your knees and start praying again. Come on, somebody, and shout amen. I'm telling you today, there's times that we've got to just speak it. We've got to pray until we pray it through. We've got to pray until, like Ezekiel, we get what we'll call a shake-up. God knows how to shake up everything through prayer. A matter of fact, I want you to understand the word shake-up means to make radical changes to a person a system, an institution, or an organization. We need a shaking up. We don't need just a normal, we need a radical change. 
It's those situations like Ezekiel that you find yourself in an impossible situation. Something radical's got to happen. Or all you've got is a valley full of death, dry bones, and your joy is gone. So you have to learn to get your eyes off of the dead bones. You can't just keep looking and talking about the things that are dead around you. I want to tell you something. It's going to happen. If God has promised you He's going to bring you through, I'm going to tell you, it is going to happen. Get your eyes off of the dead bones and get your eyes on the Creator of life. Understand with me. You may have dead bones in some situations of your life. But are you going to focus on them or are you going to focus on what God has already said over your life? I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to believe what God said over my life. I'm not going to believe the report of the enemy. I'm going to believe there's a good report coming my way. Now, we've got a story and we've got Ezekiel and I've got to hurry. Time's running out on me. We've got Ezekiel, we've got a valley down here full of dead bones. Are y'all ready for this? The only living thing in the middle of a dead valley of very dry bones. Guess who it is? There is one living thing among thousands that are dead. Now, I want somebody to grab that because this is a concept that God is about to bless us with this word. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Out of everybody there, there is one. I want you to understand that you may be the one that God has chosen to bring life to something that was dead. There's some of you that may think I'm the only Christian in this church. I mean, I am in my job. I'm the only one in this place that goes to church. And I, but guess what? That's fine. You're Ezekiel in the middle of death. And God didn't call you just to sit there around the other dead and lose your joy. God called you to prophesy over them that life shall enter into you. Woo! I'm telling you, there's been seasons I've pastored different churches and there's been seasons that my goodness, it was dead as a doornail. And that gives me anxiety. I get nervous when things get too dead. I got to have life. But you know what I learned a long time ago? A man said, be the change that you want to see in the world. And I want to tell somebody it's the same way with the church. I love it when one person gets sick of it and they say, we've had enough death. We've had enough people to act like they've lost their joy. I'm going to lift my hands anyhow. I'm going to praise God. Yes, I'm in a valley. Yes, there's dead things in my life, but bless God, I'm not going to sit here acting like I just lost my puppy or I just lost my best friend. I'm going to give God glory and I'm going to start speaking and I'm going to prophesy some things and we're going to see some life come into this place again. Oh, there's some of you, if you walked into your kid's bedroom and they've been giving you trouble 
and their life's falling apart, I need you to walk into that room and I need you to be an Ezekiel in the middle of a dead situation. And I need you to prophesy over that room and I need you to say, Devil, you brought death to my child. You've tried to bring destruction to this house, but you will not do it in Jesus' name. You've got to be willing to prophesy even if it's dead. Pastor, it's impossible. Seriously, get over it. Did y'all just hear what I read to y'all this morning? It's not impossible with God. For with God, all things are possible. So do you know what our problem is? Our problem is very simple. We pray for the rain. We pray for blessings. And then we leave our umbrella home. Anybody understand that little... A little motto, whatever you want to call it. Lord, let it rain. And then we don't even carry an umbrella. What does that mean? That means that we don't believe it's going to rain. We just say it. But we don't believe it. But there's something that came over Ezekiel in the middle of that valley. It was an anointing because the hand... Are are y'all ready for it? The hand... It wasn't just Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord carried him to that place. So the hand of God was still on him. And because the hand of God is still on you, now you are able to speak to dead things and you are able to look at dry bones and impossible situation and say, dry bones, you hear the word of the Lord. You were dead, but by God you shall live. Somebody has got to understand you've got to be willing to speak it and believe it is going to happen. I mean, you don't even believe sometimes God's going to do it, but Ezekiel saw God with an open hand. For he sees the hand of God open as it carries him into this place. Now the word Yasha is the Hebrew word for this, and this is what Yasha means when it says that he carried him. He, it means to be shot out Or to spring forth. Another definition is to be thrown out. Isn't this scary? To think that sometimes God. You would think he'd be gentle with his people. But sometimes God's a little rough with us. He says enough whining. Enough baby mentality. You're a child of mine. And the hand of God came on him and he throws him in the middle of a valley. When God is ready for you to do something, sometimes he may just throw you right into the situation. I mean, you do not even know why you're there. You may not understand what is going on. There is no telling where God is about to throw some of you in this house. He may put you in a situation on your job that you're going to think, why am I here, God? Don't miss the hand of God. Because just like Ezekiel maybe he picked you up it wasn't the devil that put you there it wasn't because you were a bad employee that put you there it was the hand of God that was placing you in a valley so that you could see the glory of God when bones start connecting together never mistake your battleground for a graveyard. The reason the bones are not buried in this valley 
is because God wasn't through with those bones. There's some of you, you're still standing, and the reason you are is because God's not finished with you yet. It was not a graveyard that Ezekiel was standing in. It was a battlefield. Woo! Is everybody still with me? Because when they rose up, they rose up a what? An exceeding great and mighty what? Army. It is a battleground. I want somebody to hear me today. Never mistake it. They, God still has something. It is not a graveyard. It's a battleground. And God promised us that when it comes to the war, that He is going to win. So you are not in a graveyard. You are in a battleground. And I'm going to leave you with this. Are y'all ready for this? Give, give me, just give me five minutes. Or maybe not even that. We do not need a wake-up call. We've had enough of those. Right? Mm-hmm. What we need is a shake-up call. I love my boy. He might get me after church for talking about him, but that's fine. There's been times that I've heard his alarm go off upstairs. Bark! Bark! It's the most... Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't you hate those sounds? You can Turn it off! You can holler as loud as you want from downstairs. It ain't happening. All you're doing is wasting your voice and your time and your energy. So I figured out a secret. If the wake-up call doesn't get him up, I figured out what would. Come on, boy! It's time to get up! Sometimes I bounce on him on the bed. Get up! Sometimes... You just need a good shake-up call. And I want to leave you with this thought today. My Lord have mercy. I feel excited. We don't need another preacher to come and preach and give us a wake-up call. I feel like I do that all the time. I feel like I try to wake up people all the time. I'm done trying to wake up people because I've understood something. I cannot wake up people. But I'm going to tell you what I'm praying for. I am praying for in Acts chapter 2. Because the Bible said what happened in Ezekiel. Is all of a sudden there was a noise and a what? There's a rattling. Another version said it was a shaking that was going on. What happened on the day of Pentecost? And suddenly out of nowhere, there's this loud noise. And there it's like this rushing mighty wind. And it's blowing through all the house. What it is, is it is a shake-up call. And I'm telling you, that is exactly what I wish God would do. I would prophesy to the winds from every corner. And I would say to them, winds, breathe on this church. I would say, winds of God, I prophesy, breathe upon Gap Hill in a way you never have a Come through the center aisle. Shake us up. Wake us up. Get us on fire that we can prophesy and see some life in the middle of dead situations. I was reading my Bible last uh, a couple days ago. And let me flip there real quick. Yeah, I still got two minutes for my five. Are you ready? Act 16. Uh, You don't have to go there. Allison, I'm just going there for my own sake. So, 
Paul and Silas have been imprisoned, right? Now the Bible says that about midnight, you know this story, I preached it. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. And see, some of the prisoners were listening to them. Now I'm going to tell you all something. When I was a younger man, I'm only 39, I'm not really that old. But when I was probably even 30 years old, it was nothing for me to stay up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and get up at 6.37 the next day. Nothing to it. Now if I don't get my eight hours, I'm grumpy. Right? If you try to call me at midnight tonight, I promise you, there's probably a 95% chance I'm going to be asleep. I'm probably going to be like Branson. Unless you come shake me, I probably won't wake up. I'm going to be out. So some of the prisoners are asleep, right? But there's a couple, they hear, Oh, how great is our God. We praise you, Jesus. And bring us out of this situation, Jesus. Oh. But there's one guy in there. Oh, God. He's fast asleep. The Bible said he was. And it is the jailer. He's sleeping so good. I mean, he's just chilled, knocked out, getting paid to sleep, baby. That's the best job in the world. But about midnight, they begin to pray. And the Bible said that suddenly there was a... Long before Elvis ever shook up a prison cell, Paul and Silas had already done it. And the Bible said there's an earthquake and there's a shaking. And doors start swinging open. The jailer jumps from his sleep and says, Oh my goodness, they're all gone. Where's my sword? He's about to make that place a graveyard. He grabs his sword. He holds it to his chest. He's about to just fall on it because the king's going to kill him. And Paul said, wait a minute, buddy. You got the wrong sword. You're not in a graveyard. You're in a battleground. Put away that sword. Because I want to tell you about this one. And all of a sudden, he began to prophesy life into that man. And the Bible said that the jailer got saved. He brought Paul and Silas home. God saved his kids. So, so saved his wife. Saved his whole household. And they got baptized and believed in God. And he was on the battlefield for our Lord. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It is time to prophesy and to speak to whatever is in your life that makes it feel like a graveyard. Because Ezekiel told me that all of a sudden there's a rattling and there is a shaking. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, bone begins to connect to bone. Sinew and flesh begin to connect to one another. I just prophesied as I was commanded. And now there's an exceeding great and mighty army. And now I want you to tell the people of Israel, son of man, I want you to tell the whole house. I want everybody to know that's in there. You may feel like your bones are dry. You may feel like your hope is lost. You may feel like you're cut off forever. But prophesy and say, no, no, no. You are not dead. You shall live. 
I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Listen. 